Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. A word from our sponsor. The month of July is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and BetOnline is where you can find it. From the NBA Finals to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bros Pod. Well, yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Bros. <laughs> <laughs> the neutral site. Right. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, I'm here in uh, Midtown, Manhattan, undisclosed location, uh, with my buddy and co-host, co-host, uh, the great Jamal Murphy, holding it down at the arena. What arena is that with Reggie Miller in the background? This was... Uh, I don't remember the year, but this is. I think you were. I think you were there. Uh, I think this was in in the Western Regional and Gonzaga and Florida State were out there. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. You were out there too. I think that year, right? Yeah yeah. So yeah, uh, these those pictures come in handy, you know. Yeah yeah, and of course, in uh, somewhere in Manhattan, got the great Steve Wilson. Steve, what's going on? Still going, man. We're still here. So uh, yeah. you know, uh, grateful for that. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Tell, tell us about Baltimore, man. You said you were playing down in Baltimore. Yeah. Um, played uh, this past weekend, uh, July 4th weekend, uh, at the Keystone Corner, the famed Keystone Corner, which, of course, um, was originally in San Francisco and owned uh-huh. by Todd Barkin, who was uh, an NEA jazz master, the highest honor for jazz music in, in America. And, and Todd is running the uh, Keystone Corner. Uh, now in Baltimore, the new Keystone Corner. It's a great venue, uh, you know, supper club, really big space. Uh, you know, A-list talent along with regional talent, and uh, they got a great lineup coming through, um, including Ron Carter's quartet, uh, Patrice Russian's quartet. Oh wow, wow! Uh, when is it? That's uh, Patrice is going there. I think sometime in this month. I think Ron is there sometime in August. Oh, uh, along with a lot of other great. Uh, jazz luminaries so um yeah and we had a great time man it was um i mean i've done things are opening up again and live performances uh in larger and smaller venues outdoor concerts indoor concerts and uh you know uh covid compliant um <laughs> whatever the local <laughs> exactly that's up for interpretation yeah like um, don't don't die here <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it yeah so uh dare to go in if you're not vaccinated but yeah um but no things are on a good track overall you know but as we will discuss and have been discussed you know you can't take anything for granted still man so while we're glad to see it come back things come back we you know we don't want to take anything for granted so uh gotta be careful yeah 
So Todd was at the Jazz Lincoln Center, right? He was always an impresario and all that. Yeah, he was there for quite a while, and uh, he left there a few years ago, and uh, and he partnered with a celebrity chef, uh, whose name I can't remember at the moment, but to reopen the Keystone Corner in Baltimore, and it's been a really great venue for revitalizing the Inner Harbor, and and uh, they get uh, good support down there. People are coming out supporting the club, uh, so yeah, it's on a good track. So do you have to make? Uh, I was just in Baltimore. In fact, I was thinking of taking another driving trip down there um, soon. Uh, what are the protocols? Do you have to make reservations? Uh, that yeah, seating. Yeah, you can make reservations. I think they're fully open now. They, I think they were limited for a while, but I think it's fully open. Uh, but you could probably just walk in. But depending on who you're going to see, reservations are recommended. So, um, huh. but. Uh, it's a great venue, man, and, and a great location. So if you're going to stay overnight, there's a bunch of hotels yeah. across the street and all of that. You know, good restaurants, the whole bit. That's great. I, I had, cause Baltimore, you know, did you ever go uh, to Baltimore at the, uh, uh, what's the, 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 the famous ballroom? Oh, is that with the, with the Left Bank Jazz Society? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what it is. The Left yeah. Bank Jazz Society. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did play yeah. those functions a couple of times, man. At, yeah. on, actually on the campus of Morgan State. Um, that was back in the eighties, I think, or nineties. Okay. And um, that's down home affair, man. BYOB. Yeah. You know, you yeah. Know, pork, pork rinds the whole bit. <laughs> I know, the whole bit, man. No, it was it was it, it, it was great. And I was working at the Baltimore Sun at the time. And oh, I was yeah. the the quote unquote jazz critic, you know. And yeah, man, every Sunday was uh was was like, man, it was great. And they brought in some great shows there. They sure did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, saw Mingus, I saw Mingus there, and man, he didn't curse me out. Uh, <laughs> he must have, you know, like how a lion, like, just has pity on you or some shit. Right. Just, <laughs> just motherfucker, you know. He, he, he didn't go off on you. <laughs> no, man, I, I may have had one question. I knew it was smart. And I forgot what it was, you know. But it was like, he was cool, you know. Wow. That's it. But I knew, you know, I knew when to stop. Just get out right. of here. And right. just like, right. well, thank you, Mr. Man. And I, fact, I interviewed Groove. I interviewed Groove Holmes there too. Wow, wow. And they wrote a column about Groove Holmes. That's when I was with the Afro. Uh, it's like 1973 or something. And Groove Holmes. And then that Groove was talking about, you know, cry, crying the blues. You know, we ain't making no money. Blah 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 blah. Then mm. Elvin Jones was out. I remember I, I interviewed Elvin Jones and told him what Groove had said. And he was some the the essential he said, Well, you don't get in this business and make money or something like that, you know. You know, whatever it was, it was kind of a, a, even then I had mastered the art of like starting shit, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. You got to interview those cats, man. That, that, that's that's yeah. yeah. But I'll come back down though, man. Now I'm glad I'm glad to know that because Baltimore really is a very good uh uh underrated jazz uh town man it's really yep. they produce a lot of musicians that's right i've heard some yeah i guess i don't know steve maybe that's just like by any place right where you got a lot of talent yeah yeah and it's great talent there man still a lot of you know few young few of the younger cats that are still living there one wolf uh all right right. Yeah. Wolf, right yeah yeah he's still there of course and sean jones great trumpeter who's running the uh the program now at peabody Oh really? Yeah, yeah. He's oh, wow. he he 
uh, relocated there three years ago, and he's doing an amazing job of building the program, and he's a, a presence on the scene. And he's and he's also building up the jazz community too. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, uh, Tim Green, great alto player. Uh, Dennis Chambers, great drummer who played with P Funk and Don wow. Schofield. He's there. So yeah, man, it's a great hotbed of, of uh, music and talent. So how, so you gotta have you know you already kind of referenced it. You gotta have some kind of mixed feelings about getting back into full you know, full capacity places because uh, Keystone Corner is one of those that's open full now. I mean, what do you, how do you feel like performing in that environment? Are you, I mean, you got to be happy, but at the same time. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's a mixed feeling, man, because I, obviously we, you know, like for instance, when we played uh, with Buster's Quartet, which has been together for almost 20 years. Mm. We haven't seen each other, man, and, and since 2019. We had, the wow. band hadn't played together since 2019. Wow. So we're thrilled to be back together. Pianist George Colligan flew out from Portland, where he lives, Portland, Oregon. And that was his first airplane trip since uh. COVID, since uh, 2019. Uh, so we're all happy to be back together, of course, and happy to be playing in front of people and people who are hungry for the music, hungry to, you know, congregating. And um, but and, and you know, and you, you, we all felt safe right. because we're vaccinated. But then again, now you got this Delta virus, and there's a lot of questions about that. And so, you know, you 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 just don't want to take it for granted. I mean, so. I mean, I still go into places wearing my mask right. until someone says it's it's cool or until I can suss it out. You know, I whatever it is, I just walk in whenever I walk into a place, hotel, store, whatever. I just put the mask on because one, I want to be cool and I don't want to make anybody feel weird. You know, right. so um, so I'm still still you know being cautious. Wow, yeah. Um, speaking of cautious, uh, the Milwaukee Buck. I know that's like. A- <laughs> <laughs> man, you talk about a talk about a, a nothing series, man. Like you think, you, you think it's over, Bill? Well, I mean, over. I don't know. I mean, you know, as we speak today, uh, Friday, uh, the Bucks are down zero two, right. um, and you know, you know, we always we overreact, right? Every single game, if they win, is you know, so. Especially nowadays with Twitter and everything, it's just it's just crazy. Like one after game one, it's over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. After then they, game two, it's, it's definitely over. I don't care right, home or away. Exactly. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, you know, Giannis. You know, the brother's playing great. You know, after what seemed like a devastating knee injury and all that. Uh, yeah, man. I just I think from the seemed like Milwaukee. I mean, uh, Phoenix just has a really good team. You know, I am getting a little fatigued with the old Chris Paul thing. I mean, well, I've been I, fatigued with that. I appreciate it, but it's like, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> but again, I know that's what we do. So, right, I get it. I get. It. What do y'all think? Are y'all engaged in the series? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Def- I'm engaged. You know, just, you know, I'm a basketball fanatic. So, regardless, but I mean, this is a. It's a weird season because everybody's gotten hurt. I know we. I was going to ask you if this is the asterisk season. Just half joking, really. I don't. I don't think anybody deserves an asterisk. But and no one really remembers, right? Five years from now, when Phoenix will have, you know, Phoenix or Milwaukee will have a ring, uh, we're not going to remember every team that had injuries. Um, 
But I mean, this was one. This is the in the moment. This is the weirdest year I've seen in a long time. Bro, what are you weird in the last year? Brooklyn was injured. Philly was injured. The Clippers were injured. Right. You know. Do you think this season is weirder than last season in the bubble? That was pretty weird too. Well, that was that was more weird. But I think you know there were less injuries, so so it seemed you know you know more you know fair in terms of the competition. Now, I mean, you talk about Phoenix being a great team. I mean, yeah, they you know they were the second team in the West, the second seed in the West all season without Kyrie. I mean, without uh, uh, right. Kawhi. Right. They didn't but, have to play no, but, they, but they go, they beat a Lakers team basically without AD and uh, LeBron hobbled. They they beat Denver, which without Jamal Murray, um, they took care of business there. And then they beat they beat the Clippers in six games. It wasn't an easy series without Kawhi. So I mean, you know, people to me, I, I just look at that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the hardest road ever to the finals. And now, you know, Milwaukee who was another team that, that avoided injury, and all of a sudden their best player gets injured. So we'll see. But, but, but like you said, Giannis is playing. He had 42 points last night on that knee. So I, I just I don't think it's over. I think, um, you know, Milwaukee's also a very good home team. Um, I think, you know, those like Middleton and, and Drew Hamilton and Drew Holiday are really like, you know, they're not superstars. They're kind of like every other game they show up. Right, right. Figure at home is where they'll probably show up. So I don't, I don't right. think the series is over. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jay Murph, on all of that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Holiday and uh, you know they, they didn't have a you know great game last night. Right. You know, so I mean, uh, certainly now, Giannis is playing. He's playing great, and playing the way he should be playing. All. <laughs> All the time, you know, with attacking the back, he doesn't, you know, though he did hit some three pointers last night, though he shouldn't have to. But right. if he if he played with that kind of aggression all the time, man, it's you know, I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic player, he's an amazing talent, and um, I don't know that he's, I don't know that that team is always coached so well. By the right. way, uh, yeah. the coaching is questionable. Yeah. yeah, you're right. What, you know, what, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You know, uh, because because they were lucky to get to that series, man. I mean, you right. know, some of the stupid stuff they were doing against Brooklyn, and yeah, hey, come on. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is Phoenix's time, all things considered. I think it's their time. Obviously, you know, Chris Paul. You know, we all want to see him get it. You know, sixteen years, he deserves it. But I, man, what I'm really uh, enthused about is the, all the young talent. You know, that Phoenix has, particularly Aiton. Aiden has really grown with every game, man, literally. Um, I'd still like to see him bulk up a little bit, uh, but he's starting to play more physical. He's got a, obviously got a f- lot of finesse to his game, which is great. But I think throughout the year, throughout the season, he's going to need to be more physical to be a real, more intimidating presence. But I really love what he's been doing, man. He, uh, what was it, the game, first game, what did he get, 19 rebounds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow, you know. So, um, but again, you know, we're not talking about 19 rebounds against LA or or, or a fully manned uh, Clippers, or so we'll see. But I I love the way this team has been evolving. I I picked them to to win in five. Oh wow! Um, you know, so I mean, they may sweep, but I I picked them. They could sweep now. Yeah, yeah. Or they could go. They could do what they call the general sweep. I don't see a sweep though. I don't. I just because those guys are they were they were hit. They're not gonna hit shots. 
on the road like they did at home. Like they were, they were, yeah. Of, especially last night, they were on fire. Oh, they weren't fired. No question. Walker played pretty well. Well, well, Giannis played great. Right. And, uh, you know, Milwaukee was here and there as they sometimes are. But uh, yeah, I can't. I'll be shocked if, if they get swept because and really a lot is a lot of it is Phoenix too. I'm like, I just you know, I'm just not. I mean, they're a very good team, but I don't think they're some kind of juggernaut. You know I agree. Do you think Milwaukee is? No, but I think Milwaukee is a good team. A very, you know, a good team. I don't think Milwaukee gets there if Brooklyn was healthy or Philly, probably. Um, or maybe even if, if uh, Trey Young didn't get hurt. You know, <laughs> who knows? Right. But, but um, they do, you know, they Middleton's capable. Uh, uh, Holiday's capable of playing much better than he did last game. So, right. yeah, I think I think at home, you know, you know, home, home cooking is different. You know, especially for those, especially for those type of guys like Middleton and Holly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm still in COVID mode, man. I'm watching everything. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, and what I what I've been doing, I've been rewatching Game of Thrones and a couple other things. So I'll take I'll take the game to watch like two or three in the morning, or uh-huh. about even when I wake up. You know, I'll watch it. I I, I won't. You know, hear anything? Then I then I watch the game, and uh, what I did with some of the earlier series, uh, I would just watch and speed it up to see what the score was, and, he, and then it was like out of hand. As I don't even watch yeah. it. <laughs> but if it was like like uh, one day, oh, when the when the Clippers beat uh, Phoenix, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to lose. I said what? You know, so I, I watched like the third fourth quarter, and I was like, oh wow, man, it's great. So that's been kind of enjoyable. So I get to watch Game of Thrones and whatever else I'm watching, and then you know, watch you know, watch the uh, watch the real game. Right. So, <laughs> I, I want to ask ask you guys, what do you think about Paul George's performance during these playoffs? Like uh, <laughs> roller coaster. I, 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 I found myself saying every time, huh, "Playoff P." Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually, th- I think he helped himself because he played. You know, he had a couple very good games. Um, he, you know, he played well enough to push Phoenix to six without Kawhi. So I think, you know, no one, no one thought. You know, he was just getting so much bad press. I mean, he, you know, basically people saying he was he wasn't even a number Jamal, two. Jamal, Jamal, Jamal. I mean, he wasn't even a number two guy. He at least showed that he's capable of being, Jamal, capable of being the a man number missed- Two foul shots. He did. They could have. They could have won. They could have won that series. I mean, that game split in Phoenix. I, I mean, he's, how not, do you miss? he's not that guy. God. But he was better than he was in the bubble. I'll tell you that. Oh, well, definitely. Yeah. Well, that's such a low bar. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. He's not as bad as he as we thought he was. Did you? And I, I, we probably talked about this again. You know, now that we see the difference. The travel. Remember, everybody was talking about Tyler Hero and all these cats. So I wonder if that makes such a difference of traveling. You know, you know, in the bubble, it was like AAU. No, there was no traveling. Right. Everybody playing on the same rims. And I thought that maybe that leveled the playing field. I guess now we see the, the grind right. of you know playing, have to get on a plane and all that. And you know, and you talk about injuries, man. You know, that's why I think of. Again, this forty million dollars slave thing, where you know, and and it, the players, I guess, agreed to it. 
But to basically would be grinding themselves into like into powder, you know, like playing mm-hmm. every night back to back, a condensed schedule. You know, I think that's why you got all those injuries. So I guess my question was, do you think the competition, or what do you think about the competition last year in the finals versus this year? That's hard to answer, man. I mean, simply, well, I don't know. I it's really hard to answer, you know, because you know these set of circumstances that happened last year with, with COVID and. You know, like you said, playing in, you know, in an enclosed space in the bubble. Now, this year, I I definitely think that the the, the ending of last season and the beginning of this season had something to do with the injuries. There's no question because we haven't seen anything like this before. Right. So of course, we'll that'll be evaluated, probably be reevaluated, you know, going to next season. So we'll see. But but think about this. I mean, even with the end of this season, particularly for these two teams. And the beginning of the next season, that's not so far away, right? It really isn't, considering what with these you know compacts back to back seasons. So this still could be played out even more so. I mean, these guys, what are they going to do for their conditioning in the off season? Is going to have a lot to do with that. Will they get the proper rest? Will they get the proper right. conditioning? Like we talked about, uh, Anthony Davis. You know, something apparently something's not going you know right. correct or he needs to adjust something with his conditioning so uh, i think that still can be played that will be played out yeah, yeah. i mean the comp i think it's different I, I i enjoyed this this season more even with the in- injuries like it just was a little more normal uh the travel i think is big and then the fans came back at the end so, it, so at this point it looks almost normal um in terms of like the playing conditions um but there's no question that that the bubble had a lot to do with with uh, the injuries this year. I mean, they you know, they just look at the, the final four teams in the bubble, all had big time injuries and and couldn't really make it back to where they were previously. You had the Lakers. Um, you know what happened with them? The Heat didn't. They couldn't get it together all season long. You know, they had they had injuries. They they never they never could be get healthy. They get swept in the first round. By Milwaukee, that wasn't the same team we saw last year in the bubble. Um, then you had, then you had uh, Denver. I think was another team uh, who had Jamal Murray get injured, you know, during the regular season. So there's no question it took its toll. Then, you, then again, this year, it's it's they get a little more time this year, but it's not back to normal, right? They're still they're still trying to catch up. So it's still about you know a few weeks to a month less than they would than they would normally get in the off season. And then you add that with something I want to talk about anyway is the Olympics. So you got the Olympics right. coming, and you got guys. Booker is, is on the Olympic team. He's supposed to just fly over there right after this, the finals. Over. You got Drew Holiday and Middleton playing on the Olympics. You have Kevin Durant on the Olympic team. He's Kevin Durant. You know, you have James Harden wants to play in the Olympics, uh, <laughs> despite of him. Now, now he's over in Paris doing who's no, who knows what. Yeah, what, what was that story? I don't, I don't want to lose my train, your train of thought about that. What was Harden? What the hell? It was really a non-story because they, they said that police stopped to question him. They, about what? I don't know. I don't know. They, but it was, he wasn't even arrested, so I don't know why they even were talking about it. Uh, but he was out in Paris at the at the fashion show with like Kanye West. and. and uh, oh, maybe that's why he stopped. Uh, <laughs> Kanye he West. Little, little baby, you know. So it was just a, a weird looking scene out there. Brother, uh, man. I do think I'm going to go to Paris. I would like to go to Paris in November. Paris or uh, Tokyo? 
Hell no, I'm not going near Tokyo. <laughs> no, I want to ask about the Olympics. Like, what are we doing here? We know they just announced that there are going to be no fans um, at the events. I know, Steve, I know you, you've been out there a few times, right? Perform. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've been talking with my friends from Japan, and they're all very upset about what's going on there. As a matter of fact, one friend of mine, she's a nurse. Um, she works here in the States, but she went back recently to bury her father. And, mm. um, um, and she was saying they're doing everything wrong. They're just doing everything wrong there. And I think part of the deal is, you know, Japanese culture, is, they're not using that very flexible you know in terms of once they go with a plan a that's it so they don't really adjust to things you know when things change drastically and then she like said Buno, that's... like Buno. <laughs> yeah right right exactly and so uh so that's why they're so far behind in in, in the vaccines and of course because of the japanese culture so much efficiency it's like antithetical to what you think they'd be doing but here we are and they're way behind in vaccinations, um, and they've just refused to to adjust. And man, now they got the variant there. They, they just shouldn't be having these games. They, basically, it's all about money. They've yeah. invested over fifteen billion dollars into this thing, and they figured, well, they want to get something out of it. But they can't even have spectators, so they can't they can't make up any of that money. I mean, you know, so. They're probably going to lose money. They, They're going to lose they, money. Most Olympics lose money. Yes. And they have facilities that are that, that become white elephants. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about saving face, I guess, to whatever degree they think they can. But it makes no sense. Because think about it. They're going to be flying in these athletes from all over the world, going into this place where most people are not vaccinated. Duh. <laughs> End of story. You know, they just shouldn't be doing it, period. So why, why and so why are other countries doing? Why, why are we, yeah, right. why why? Are we doing it? I mean, I know right. the money aspect, but what's yeah. the financial? In other words, I mean, I get it as an athlete. You know, you've been trained. You were supposed to go last year, and you want to compete. You've been training, 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 training. So you want to compete. So I guess, I guess we could all understand that the competition aspect. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I, I, we say money. Okay, we get Tokyo. Yeah, we get Japan. They want to save face. They want to. They spend all this money, all that. But you're right. What do we get out of the United States? I yeah. guess. You, you know. Um, I guess. I, I guess it boils down to the athlete. The athletes. And TV. TV. Because we're still going to. Oh, look, TV right. He's right. still going to be covering this stuff. They and people. You know, people are going to watch for American athletes in, in America. Yeah. Yeah, I so, mean, now are they doing the bubble? Are they doing any bubble protocols there? I don't they know. Must. Because if there's no fans, it's almost like a bubble, right? Well, the, and the Olympic Village typically is kind of like a bubble, but now you know, not everybody. I was just seeing uh, Christine Brennan, USA Today, wrote a column about the swimmer who said he's not vaccinated, doesn't plan to get vaccinated. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> swimmer. So there are a lot of. I'm sure he's not the only athlete of all right. the uh, thousands of athletes who are going. You know, there's not a 100% vaccination rate. Yeah. So you got to figure there are people for whatever reason who aren't vaccinated. Oh, my God. So no. it's, like, it's basically Russian roulette. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, all the all the athletes from uh from the red states are not going to be vaccinated. That's, that's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, and no, to me, if if I'm on that team, if I'm on on any Olympic team, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, just knowing that there are going to be some people in that village who are not vaccinated, um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to, and I, yeah, I get it. You're not, you've trained. This is it for you, and. But is it worth the risk? I, no, I just absolutely not. You know, not to me. There's just so much misinformation. I mean, half the information out there is misinformation. Um, so, you know, these athletes think they're young. Uh, some people have already, like a Kevin Durant, for instance, has had it already. Um, so, you know, people walk around thinking, oh, I had it already. I'm good. Or I'm young. I'm good. Or I'm vaccinated. Nothing can happen. Um, and then the people who aren't vaccinated, you know, they're like, well, I haven't gotten it yet. Does it even exist? You know, it's just so crazy right now. And yeah, you know, that's that's another. You know, we talk about Durant and those guys coming off an injury, wanting to play, and is it good for them as far as next season is concerned? But just based on injury. But you know, I mean, what about what if we get sick? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now I wonder if they will be applying um, the quarantine requirement to these athletes because i think if you know regular citizen go there you're supposed to quarantine for like 10 days or something as a matter of fact if you go as a regular citizen you i think they take you to a hotel room and you have to stay in that room right uh you can't go out for food anything they bring you food or whatever you can't you know you just can't go there go through the airport and customs and you can't do that so i'm wondering if that's going to be applied to these olympic teams i don't know um a lot of questions, man. Do we do we know why so few people are vaccinated in Japan? There's like six percent of it. Yeah, I asked about that, and I mean, I don't, I don't know that, but I guess just because of their own uh, whatever bureaucracies that happen, uh, as you know, the United States bought up a lot of the vaccines <laughs> um, in the very beginning. The United States and in the UK and other countries. I don't know if Japan didn't put in their bid. What I don't understand is that. You know, in the very beginning, Korea was really ahead of most. Right. So I don't know if Korea, if if Korea and Japan didn't coordinate. I I have no idea. I'm sure a lot of it boiled down to just cultural and political issues of why they're behind. But hey, you know, I was I was hoping, Steve, to maybe the next podcast during the Olympics, if you know, you know, Japanese musicians, uh, you know, you know, people you may know, I would love to have them on the show. Sure. I do know about, a few, yeah. Um, a, a lot of stuff we're talking about from what they think about the games. Um, you know, uh, I, I, did, I think it would be great, you know, to have yeah. a, a nursing friend or whatever just on the show to talk about, you know, while the games are going on. Sure, yeah. I, yeah, I could definitely do that. It'd be great to get their perspective. Yeah, they, I'd they, love to get that perspective. They really know the nuances of it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because there are certain things that you're asking and we're asking that we don't know, right? Right. You know, so I think that would I I I really really would love to hear that. Back to the states, yeah. Um, some of the drama that's been going on. We want to, uh, I guess, briefly talk about the whole ESPN situation. Um, Rose Street goes black. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. What, <laughs> we just lost Bill, I think. But uh, <laughs> but the. Uh, you know, the little controversy with uh, Maria Taylor and uh, and Rachel Nichols. Um, 
where they they ended up removing Rachel Nichols from the uh, from the NBA uh, sideline reporter position that she had. To me, it was just a you know this could happen in any in any profession. Um, you know, Rich, Rachel Nichols is is respected. Um, you know, a lot of people consider have always, have always considered her an ally, but it's just it just comes down to you know like everybody's an ally until until you come for their position you know or their kids position you know so and i don't if i were white who knows you know what i'm saying like i don't i can i judge i don't know i don't even know if i can judge it. well well obviously since since you know i work for you know yeah. the undefeated which is run by and supported by espn and disney and disney supports the road fellows and blah 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 right. blah and all that kind of stuff i will say this uh, you know, I love Maria Taylor. Oh yeah, yeah. I love Maria Taylor, and and Maria Taylor, we've had her on our show. Uh, uh, is is she? She's smart. She's bright. Uh, she 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 has an athletic background. Uh, her her credentials are beyond reproach. I mean, she's just bright and rising, and she's part of a group of young black women. You know, we you know we had Taylor Rooks on the show. I mean, there's there's some sisters, man, who are coming up who are just dynamic. Right. You know, dynamic. Uh, and and they're coming. They're, they're coming for you. You know, you know. Um, and as always happens, you know, with you know, you know, old heads. You know, you do you. You know, you've been used to doing your job and all that. And before you know it, man, you you know, blink of an eye, there's a whole new cadre of young people mm-hmm. coming for your gig. Right. And it's not always pleasant and it's often surprising because, you know, you're doing the work, man, and you not think about how old you are or whatever. You're just doing the work. And if you're in a corporate situation, you know, we're all just part of a machinery. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're all part of the machinery. Uh, some people are fortunate. There are fortunate few who get to leave on their own terms. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so, okay, you know, but most people don't, you know. And uh, it's probably disconcerting. It's probably you, you resent it, you know. But the shit happens to, you know, a whole bunch of folks, man. You know, a whole bunch of folks, you know, that you know. So, but I, I think I'd rather look at the glass full and look at people like Maria, Taylor Rooks, Malika. I mean, Malika, man. I mean, who's you know took Rachel's place as a sideline reporter, you know. Uh, Malika's great. <laughs> you know, she's great. Uh, as was Rachel. Right. I mean, you know, so, um, yeah, man, it's just one of those things that uh, in our business, you know, uh, and then the thing about our business, we tend to like, we, we tend to care about it. Right. A lot of other people, they, they, they just want to see the show. You know, they want to see next person up. You know, they don't really care, you know. I mean, I think of Pam Oliver. You think of somebody who I'd love to have on the show. You know, Pam Oliver has been doing sideline reporting for decades. A sister mm-hmm. who's just great and mm-hmm. has been passed over, has been screwed, has been humiliated, but through it all has basically come through that fight. You know, and with a toughness and, and a sense of grace and class and all that, you know. Maria, same thing. Grace and class. You know, Taylor Rooks, Grace and class. You know, you look at Malika. She didn't ask for this. 
Right. You know, but she's prepared. It's like uh, right. I was looking at the pride of the Yankees with Wally Pipp. Right. asked for a day off. They said, you know, he asked you know, the day off. Lou Gehrig came in, you know. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he, was, he, was ready, he was ready to go. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm trying to think, can you guys think of anything like that? And I've been sports or whatever, or I don't know, even in music or whatever. I guess music or the arts a little different because it's not like Romare Bearden is waiting in the, you know, waiting right. in the wings and then take Jacob Lawrence's places, you know. Right. But uh, can you guys think of anything where where there was an athlete, a star who injured or whatever, and then somebody came play, who, who became like a legend? Well, I guess that recent history, Tom Brady, right. you know, That's Drew right. Bledsoe. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean. That was a problem. I mean, look at it. Tom Brady was a, what, uh, what round was he? It was a low round, right? Yeah, was, yeah, like. You know, I mean, I, no, no one even knew of him coming out. Who's this guy? Right. You know, I didn't even know he, what was he, second string on Michigan's team or something? I'm just like, yeah. what? Yeah. So you never know. I mean, I, but, you know, I think in this context, you mentioned Pam Oliver, and it would be great to get her perspective, someone like her, of course, Jamal Hill, because, you know, being women in the business and what they've had to endure and, and this, to see yeah. this. I mean, all I got to say is like, well, Rachel, she has to own it. You know, she said it, got to own it, you know, and uh, it was recorded inadvertently, whatever, but you got to own it. That's, that's the bottom line. She spoke her mind and just own it. Yeah. And the only thing, yeah, the only thing for me personally with with, with Rachel Nichols, who I like, and was great. Um, But, you know, you know, it's like, why, why go there with it? Why, you know, why, you know, why, why is it, you know, why do you, you, you imply that the other person is a diversity hire when we all know, like you said, that Maria Taylor is just great. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care if she was white, black, green, or whatever. Maria Taylor is, is very, very talented. Probably the most talented, in my opinion, person doing that particular job. Like, you know, at least at her age, you know, definitely among the younger people, but maybe in general. So I just think, no, the more to the story, I agree with you, Bill. Is that is that Maria Taylor is really, really good. Like, you know, what I'm saying, like, um, you know, maybe there's there's room for both of them. You know, maybe maybe someone maybe there's a male, uh, you know, person out there that they need to kick out. It's not a, it's not about race. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like why not just say, oh, you know, she's great, you know, and I'm great. So get, right. we're, we're all, we could all be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, you know, and well, you had mentioned like in the music industry, um, we see this all the time because young talent is constantly emerging. And I've seen, man, I truthfully, I've and I remember seeing an interview with Sammy Davis Jr. talking about this 40 years ago, seeing young talent just go right past the plateaus that he was able to achieve. But that's just the nature of the business. That's right. just the nature of things. I see some of my students, former students, uh, you know, getting signed to record deals, record companies, that, you know, that may not have been available to me or, or my colleagues. And you know what? I'm happy for them. Right. I'm right. happy for them, man, because they get an opportunity. Your opportunity comes when it comes. Right. And, you know, when you see that happen to somebody else, you can't knock that. You know, so to Jamal's point, yeah, why does she have to go there? You know, especially being a woman in the business, you know, uh, just like say, hey, Great for her. It could have ended there. 
you know, like why does that have to be? But that speaks to another issue that's been, right. that we're tech dealing with in these times, you know, with uh, with white America, black America. There's a portion of white America that sees, oh well, if someone of of a minority ethnicity is getting an opportunity, now all of a sudden yeah. that's a threat. It comes in no. my yeah, that, no, that's not what it is, you know. But hey, like I said, she put it out there. She has to own it now. She's yeah. stuck with it. So whatever consequences come, you know, and she, yeah. like I said, she's a great talent, but she's going to own that. And now will that affect her status going forward? We'll see. You know? And then, Bill, to your point about who, you know, we tend to care about this. Do, do other people really care? I think people do care just because it hit a nerve that all people have to, that a lot of people have to deal with this type of story in other industries or in other, in other walks of life. Like, you know, I've been out you know, to a couple of things recently. And it's like, to me, it seems like that's all anyone wants to talk about, particularly black people. Right. <laughs> you know, they yeah. yeah, you know, I, so. I, I, as you were speaking, I just remember Don, the late Don Imus. I remember, uh, you know, his shtick, he got on Gwen Eiffel and, men, and mentioned me. Mm. He called Gwen Eiffel, it really just a disparaging term. Then they said, Williams, he wrote, oh yeah, he's that minority hire at the New York Times, you know. Uh, and I guess I took it then as kind of like, you know, hey man, you know, whatever, I'm here, right. you know. Right. But but you know, but it's that kind of, you know, it's that kind of mentality. Like, oh, you you went to an Ivy League school. Oh, yeah, you're black at an Ivy League school. Oh, well, yeah, that's because you got in because you know a minority and all that. Which, which is like so typical of like of like historically white America, like. To put it on to put it on the black person, right? Like, where 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 percentage wise, it's the hardest thing to do to right. get into like an Ivy League school, right. and then you say to that person, "Oh, you got it. It was easy for you uh, because you're black." When the the truth of the story is, you could look at any white person who goes to an Ivy League school and and say, "Oh, he just got in because he right. his, his you know his father knew somebody or they had money," it's and you could just say that. You could blindly say that. Ignorantly say that, and you would be right fifty percent of the time. Right, well, we remember this whole scandal, right? This whole scandal right. Uh, last year, where these people were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their kids into these schools. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, I watched that movie you recommended, Bill. By the way, the, oh, the movie, the movie they made about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. On Netflix. Yeah, incredible, man. It's incredible. incredible. <laughs> like, wow, what? incredible. The links. I mean, it's so deep. Everyone should see that. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. What was the name of that again? I'm trying to remember. It's yeah. on Netflix. It might be whatever. I forget the name of it too, but it was Campbell, like whatever, something. Yeah. But it was like it was eye-opening, a little demoralizing. because <laughs> uh, you know, when these things come to light, you know, it's like, damn, you know, the you know, anyway. But yeah, so just to kind of put a bow on that, it's unfortunate, you know, I hate to see anybody's career get damaged like that, like Rachel or whatever. Uh, you know, but um, I think that uh, I tell young students, man, you know, like there's some Roden fellows in town today. Uh, and, um, you know, tell them, listen, man, you know, as soon as you get out of bed, you know, and leave your house apartment building, you're on stage. You know, mm -hmm. you're on stage. And probably when you're on the phone, when you're on your cell phone, all these cell phone towers, we're probably in the United States probably one of the most 
eavesdropped upon populations in the world. We're probably the most spied upon, you know, so you just take that under advisement, you know, whatever you say, be intentional about it. And if you, if, you know, my whole thing is that if you were talking about to somebody, whatever, over the phone, whatever, that would I want to see this in headline? Mm-hmm. What I'm about to say, would I want to see this in headline? Would I want to see, you know, and if you say, uh-uh, no, nah, then don't say it. Right. You know, wait till we see each other in person, <laughs> you know, over lunch. And then right. if they spying on that, fuck, you lost anyway. But right. You gotta pat you them know. down, make sure, make sure they don't have a wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, by the way, the the movie we're talking about on Netflix is Operation Varsity Blues. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah. College admissions on Netflix, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody should see that movie, man. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But you know, uh, as we close, the the one place with black, remember they all say we're you know that's we always get you're only there because. Right. But now when you look at the NFL and NBA, you know, pretty much nobody says that. You know, pretty much nobody says now you can say that Coach Bud in Milwaukee or some coach that you only got that position because you're white, but pretty much if you're an NBA player, NFL player, you're pretty much there because you brought it, you know. Mm. Because we can see it too. We we saw it. We saw you in college, we saw you in high school, we we knew the the talent you had. Um it's you know, it's it's evident. Um, there's no, you know, there's no subjective subjectivity to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like if there was a kid who didn't make it, it, it would be a problem. Like we saw you at a lower level in college running a four, three and, uh, you know, you catch every pass and somehow you didn't make it. it we'd be, well, well what, well, you know, right. what's going on? So that's because we can see it. But now if you go to coaching where, where the subjectivity comes involved, then they do say it and they're going to start saying it more. Now, because, um, you know, after George Floyd, you saw how many uh, college basketball coaches uh, were hot, black college basketball coaches were hired over 50% of the the jobs are open, went to black uh, coaches. So they're going to have to show and prove this year. And they're going to, you know, all kinds of people are going to be saying things about how they could just, they got the job just because of this or that. And then now in the NBA uh, is kind of following suit a little bit because there were seven coaching changes this off season, five have been filled. And four have already gone to black coaches. Right. Uh, we got Billups with the Blazers, Kidd with the Mavs, Udoka with Boston. Uh, reports are that Jamal Mosley is going to get the job. In Orlando. With Orlando. Wow. And even Wes Unsell Jr. is expected to get the Washington job. Wow. Uh, so, you, so, you know, all of a sudden you could have 12 coaches, 12 black coaches in the 30-team league. So that's 40%. Oh, uh, and it should be. It should be. It should be last like... season, compared to last season where we only had seven. Yeah, mm. it's just so amazing, man. I mean, I guess we all look at this. I look at this as evolution, you know, just as an evolution, not this an evolution. And you got a league like this, man. And I was about that this morning. With For the past three decades, you've got this incredible pool of young black players who are now out and, and been coaching here and there and there. And, and again, this gets back to privilege. The white guys have been used to, like, always getting the jump ball. You know, despite the league is 70% black players and have been that way for three decades, they're used to getting the jump ball. They're used to always getting the job. Mm-hmm. You know, now when this stuff changes like that and you see this incredible pool of sharp young guys, you know, you just can't keep doing that. Right. You know, particularly with your product, <laughs> your product is predominantly black guys. They're looking at you and say, wait a minute, 
You mean to tell me that I'm doing all this, going through the bubble, uh, playing like injury and all that, and you mean when I'm done, I can't get a job in, right. in your league that the job automatically goes to some white guy? You right. know, no, uh-uh. And I think these guys are astute enough to, you know, and the owners, man, you know, it's not like you own your, your products is like fucking, uh, you, you, you know, car hubs or, you know, hubcaps or, 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 you know, like stoves or something. Your product is black, these young black people. Mm-hmm. And you can't fuck them, you can't screw them like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't screw them like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that, particularly in our industry, a lot of people are going to be like, you know, who've been used to just automatically getting stuff, you know, going to react when they don't. And right. I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not surprising, right? Like... We shouldn't be surprised about these stories because, you know, it's a it's a shock to their system. I mean, this is it's part of the, this is also part of the process. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, guys, you know, we dominated the press box. You know, we are always the guys. We were always, you know, and then when said, no, man, we need more women. You know, and that means that, yeah, some of you guys ain't going to get the promotion you thought you should just always be getting, you know, because you just because you just a guy. And you're right. There are going to be women in the in the uh, in the in the locker room, you know, not just you guys, you know. So mm-hmm. it's all, uh, and, and that's why you see a guy like this clown who's in the White House. Uh, I don't even remember the but you know, feeding feeding into that, tapping into that, right? Mm-hmm. You're tapping into that. That mm-hmm. I, I'm here to protect your privilege, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So anyway. yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the nfl goes forward because as we as we saw as we've seen in the last season they they stayed their course You're right so let's see what happens in this round because and what i would like to see is the players to stand up if, if this doesn't change the players need to stand up and say okay enough is enough right you know and i don't i don't know why maybe they feel bill maybe this back to your 40 million dollar slave you know uh uh, theory, you know, and well, it's more than theories. Reality, it, it my, I should call it a mindset. Because are they going to empower, empower themselves and each other? They they need to stand up. Ultimately, these players said, "No, we see what's going on here. It's time to change this. You have to change this." So we'll see how the NFL reacts to this this wave. Yeah, NFL. No guarantee contracts. Right. Uh, in the NFL, you know. Uh, but you're right. That's actually a great point. You, you kind of see the N- NBA reacting. Now, how's the NFL going to react? Because uh, typically, cats are like, "Man, I don't, you know, keep that trouble away from me." I don't, <laughs> right, right. I got right. this last shot. They'll cut me on Monday. <laughs> right. I play on Sunday. They'll cut me on Monday. Yeah, the NFLs. That's that's a different culture too. And I'm yeah. not saying the NBA. The NBA has some of that in it too. But the NFL is just, I mean, that's like ground zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that is a good thing. So we should, uh, that, that's a good thing to keep our eye on. How coming this season, how are these cats going to react? You know, and then again, it gets to be my favorite, the leadership of the Players Association. Mm-hmm. It's just, in, in this respect, it's just a waste of time. You know, the more yeah. trying to rally the troops to, you know, on this type of issue. Yeah, because this to me, this is like about more than taking a knee. 
this time. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. that's not going to get it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, you know, I mean, we, we know that ultimately it's ownership that can change the dynamic. But until then, you know, will these guys really stand up and have, make their voices heard and count, you know, so. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, especially especially the the top tier guys, you know. Yeah. Some some of the guys you just talked about, Bill. You know, with the, with the, out the guaranteed contracts. Okay, but the top tier guys, like the marquee players, they can make a difference, and they should. Right. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh. Yeah. So anyway, um, on that happy note uh, of chat, <laughs> uh, basically, it's just you're basically challenging people. That's all. Right. Our culture, you know, our existence. Black existence in this country has always been about challenging, challenging one decade after the other. Challenging. You know, I keep thinking about my my, my father when he went his his you know, his father, his father, you know, his grandmother, you know, we've always been tasked to force this country to live up to the uh the creed of his of his foundation. You know, and it's not fun. You know, it's, it's not, you know, but it's, so we'll see. We'll see if the NFL players, you know, kind of say, hey, man, enough is enough, like you said. So we'll also see if the Bucks, if the Bucks say enough is enough and just allow themselves <laughs> to get swept. <laughs> enough I'm, is I'm enough. Pretty, I'm pretty the confident. Summer, the summer is afoot. <laughs> I'm pretty confident they'll get game three. Uh, if game four, I'm worried about. Because, like I said, Middleton and Holiday, they, it's tough for them back-to-back games to, to show up. Yeah. And like I said, man, you know, July, man, how much time do we have to vacation with our families, take some time off, you know, That's heck, true. you know, come on. You know, and particularly, yeah. you know, we're going to lose, we're going to lose the game. Six, I mean, hey, bye. Bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> but both, both of these teams, though, man, they got to, they got to win it now because we already talked about the injuries. Um, you know, you're never guaranteed to get back. And I think okay. it's like extra. It's tough. You know, especially these two teams. You're not guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> this may be, I mean, Milwaukee was last time they were. I mean, what, what, what Kareem was there, right? That's a 71, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, yikes. You know. Yeah. They, yeah. They, we, if there are any miracles to be pulled off, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right, guys. Any last uh, things? Uh, any last predictions or? Words of wisdom before we uh, cut out, or we exhausted all our wisdom. Well, I, I want to give a quick props to Nicole Hannah Jones. Ah, there you go for playing it beautifully, yeah. playing yeah. it beautifully, man. She played it beautifully. So and and fantastic for Howard University because it's high time that HBCUs are able to retain our best black talent and best and brightest minds That's right. and i i just give big props to her for playing it just beautifully and uh so props yeah. to harwood and, and, and jones and and to, to tiny uh it's coats because they hired him also so yeah props that's great now they could have gone to morgan but <laughs> well they, like they, they could do a visiting thing they're just down the street you know yeah so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coach actually, he actually mentioned Morgan in a post recently and said, you know, he was saying, yeah, you know, I know we're insufferable at Howard. You always talk about Howard, Howard. He was like, but I would have went to Morgan State if my parents didn't force me to get out of Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore. that's right. Because I knew his dad, uh, his dad, Paul Coach, mm-hmm. uh, who was actually, uh, he was uh, with the Panthers. 
uh, when I was at the Sun. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so good. Uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, it's a good, it's a good thing. I do feel a little sorry for the some of the students and teachers, black faculty at University of North Carolina. Right. Uh, but I think they understand what's at stake. You just can't, you know, you just can't be devout, allow yourself to be devalued like right. that. Right. You know, and, and actually Cornell West has done the same thing. You know, he had he had the big fight at tenure uh, at right. Harvard. Right. And uh, he could, you know, too bad he could have gone to Howard or, you know, although Howard can't take everybody. They're, they're all more black. Spread the love. Spread the love, man. <laughs> spread the love. Well, well, if anything, this, I hope the establishment uh, will start to understand that the race cars can cut both ways. Yeah. There's an interesting dynamic happening, though, in a lot of black colleges where uh, one of my fellows called it the gentrification of HBCU. But you have mm -hmm. more and more, uh, there's some softball team at HBCU that are all white. Right. You know, uh, you know, a, a lot of faculty, like you have white faculty teaching black history, you know, being brought, you know, so not only are some black people seeing HBCUs as an alternative, or you got a lot of white folks, right. you know, just like Washington Heights or uh, you know, the gentr this gentrification thing, man, is just, mm -hmm. and you've never thought about these HBCUs were our safe spaces. Now, all of a sudden, are they safe spaces anymore? You know, mm -hmm. have, have these presidents encourage like white faculty, white students, you know, to come in. We'll give you scholarships. We'll, you know, I mean, it just, it just never ends, man. You know, it's just, it's not well, well, I know part of that is the funding issue, too. And I, as I may have mentioned on one of the previous programs we did, you know, we talked about reparations. I think this, the real solution reparations is to, or one of them, is to perpetually fund the HBCU. Because yeah. that way you know that each generation coming through is going to have an equal shot at a, at a good education. So if we want to talk about real reparations in a substantive way, that's one way to approach it. Right, right. We just have to figure out how to let young black kids get the opportunity because you, you it's all, can't say that because now it's oh you're excluding white people and you know you know, yeah the way you excluded us <laughs> you know <laughs> so but that that's i i agree 100 you know uh, and i was talking to one of the fellows yesterday that i don't you know i would have know how it felt if i go out went to morgan and like half the team was white or have to, you know, like that was not the experience I was looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, I was at A and T. The baseball team was at least fifty percent. Fifty percent, at least. Yeah, and it, and those guys were recruited. That's like uh, ninety, late ninety. Yeah. Wow, and those guys were recruited like from the local or from within the North Carolina, mostly from North Carolina, North Carolinians. Yeah, you know how cutthroat sports are. I mean, yeah, where they can play. And they found, and they were able to find that that niche, um, and go go play HBCUs, um, because like you know maybe 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 the numbers weren't great in terms of black kids who were playing baseball, right? You know, mm -hmm. so it was like it kind of filled a need for both parties. Mm -hmm. Struggle continues, as they say. <laughs> All right, y'all, listen, uh, great Steve Wilson, uh, always great having you on the show. 
you down there as a jazz standard, you know. Uh, you know, I know. Jazz. Oh, this is this is the Vanguard actually. Oh, this is Vanguard. Oh, good. Yeah, they'll be they'll be coming back in September. So. Oh, good. Just keep the light on for them. I hope they. Man, are we still go? Are they still gonna be cramming people in? I would hope this <laughs> pandemic would kind of. Elbow room, man. Hey, it's, like all about, it's all about the money, Bill. You know they're gonna cram them in. Gonna cram oh them in. my God, cramming them in. Just like the oh. NFL. Oh my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it, man. Well, you know, Reverend Forbes would always say that he talks about the triumph of mammon. You know, the triumph of money, and when money becomes the highest value. And I, 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 I always say it, I, I echoed him, but the true meaning of it did not really hit me until you see the consequences of people making decisions, not based on health, not but based on money. Mm. And you see people dying, people get sick, people whatever, because, and, and when your entire society is defined by that, it's like the, the, your highest value is money, man, that, it sounds so, you know, so simplistic, mm -hmm. but the consequences are profound. So, mm -hmm. good luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Jamal, hang in there. Try it. And, and all of our millions of listeners, be smart, be safe. Protect yourself. Protect yourself, because yes, trust me, the government, every decisions that are being made are being made based on money, not on your health. So when you sit down making, so I wonder why. No, you don't have to wonder why. The decision <laughs> be based on money. You better make your decision based on health, your family's health, because you on your own. All right, everybody, and keep praying. God bless. Yes, <laughs> indeed. All right. Yes. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube